Hello, 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 and welcome to another midweek episode of Down the Rabbit Hole, and on this week's episode, you've got me, Brandon, obviously, since I'm the one talking. Um, Before we start, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners, thank you to everyone who keeps playing us, Um, Fringe Radio Network, NWCZ Radio, uh, the other ones... I can never remember names. I'm horrible at this part. We all know this. If you listen at all, you know I'm horrible at this part of the show. So I just want to thank everyone, and I also want to thank all you listeners for listening and coming back every week. Um, I do hope, I know a long time ago, um, I guess not a long time ago, a few months ago, we were having problems with my audio, and I have not heard anything since. So I'm assuming either it's working again, or everyone just got tired of mentioning it. So um, please let me know if there's still any audio issues. If not, I'll just keep going as I am. So, one thing I do want to say is this week is going to be another fun one. Um, we've gone down some deep, dark wells in the last, you know, couple of years since we've been doing this. So, we've kind of been taking a little fun here, and we've gone down um, the medieval well. And, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying this rabbit hole of the medievalness. We will be coming out of the middle evil, medieval, or middle whatever, you know, the old-timey history ones here eventually. Um but I'm enjoying it while we do it. So last week, we talked about King Arthur and whether or not King Arthur was really a person. And if he was, who he might have been. Um, which I've been fascinated with because, I mean, growing up, he was someone that I always kind of thought was a real person. Um, and this week, I decided to, to stick with that, you know, kind of down that vein and stay going down that rabbit hole. And um, I actually started looking into Robin Hood. Um, Robin Hood's one that's always fascinated me. As a kid, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I loved the Disney version of Robin Hood. You know, he's a fox, you know, Little John's a bear or whatever. You know, Prince John's the the the, the, the lion and uh, everything else, you know. So, I mean, I loved that whole idea. Um, what's amazing, though, is a lot of the storyline and everything they went kind of fits some of the stories of Robin Hood. Um, they kind of tried to stick to it, which is one thing I noticed with King Arthur. That kind of stuck with the, the Sword and the Stone. Kind of stuck with some of the aspects of the original stories of Sword and the Stone. Um and of King Arthur. So the same thing kind of with Robin Hood. So we grew up with that. And then the other big thing for me in Robin Hood is, um, some people know this, some might not, um, probably not on here. I don't think I've ever mentioned it. The very first date that me and my wife went on when we were kids, I mean, really kids, um, was to the Kevin Costner version of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, that was our very first date. I mean, I, it was so young. I mean, we couldn't even drive. I had to have my older brother drive me to the, me and my, my wife to the movie. I mean, obviously, she wasn't my wife at the time. But, yeah, she they drove us to the movie. We went to it. Um, our very first date. Um, great time. So um, this, this story has a lot of great memories for me uh, because, I mean, you know, like I said, first date for me and my wife. I mean, what some people don't know, we didn't date the whole time. We didn't date. We, we dated for when we were young, like 14 years old um, for about a year, a little more than that. And then didn't see each other for like seven, eight years and then ran into each other and ended up started dating again and then got married. So but uh, my very first kiss was my wife so very interesting you know and the whole idea of of robin hood has always fascinated me anyway um there's a lot of things that i didn't realize though Uh, a lot of things that become very interesting as you go through this um the original stories just like with king arthur of robin hood 
are very different than the Robin Hood we know. Um, a lot of the characters that we know. Um, in the research for this, just because I, I like to, to watch movies too, um, me and my wife did. We went back and we watched, you know, Prince of Thieves because, of course, we own the special edition because that's our movie. Um, also why, you know, the Brian Adams song is our song. Um, well, one of them. And then, of course, I had to watch, you know, Men in Tights because, well, <laughs> duh. <laughs> why not? It's amazing. Um which is another great, I mean, movie, but I mean, once again, kind of, I mean, it's jokingly, it's Mel Brooks. I mean, Mel Brooks is a freaking genius. We all know that. If you don't know that, well, you're wrong. But um, <laughs> Mel Brooks is a genius, and in that movie, I mean, there are some tropes that really do exist in, you know, the, the, the history and mythology of Robin Hood. But as going down the rabbit hole with this, where we all, I kind of figured it was going to be like one main, like, bam, this is the person that we think it came from. This ends up turning into a lot like the King Arthur, where I, I think it's multiple people. This is something even more than King Arthur. I think this is a lot of people. It's a lot of different people. There's a lot of rumor during that time that Robin Hood was just, it was like a common name. It was like John Doe. Like if there was a criminal out in the woods who was robbing people, they called him Robin Hood. Um, there's many, many court documents that show people who they didn't know what their names were. So they just, the, the like catch all placeholder name was Robin Hood. So that's why it becomes so hard to find who Robin Hood was. And then during that time and during the different times also on these kind of like King, you know, King Arthur, where, you know, you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh, this is the time frame we're looking at. And then you actually go through and you read some of the ballads and we might've been earlier than that. It might've been later than that. Our time frame, we're not sure in the exact time. And the other thing is we might even be looking in the wrong place, which is a whole nother thing that we're going to talk about here. One of the big things that surprised me is the one thing we all know, like if I went up to just about anybody and said, Sherwood Forest, immediately you're going to be like Robin Hood. Robin Hood and his merry men. What if I told you that the original stories, he wasn't in Sherwood Forest. He was somewhere completely different. He wasn't even in Nottingham in the original stories. It really comes down to they think he was in Yorkshire. And there's so many things like this. A lot of it too. It wasn't King Richard and Prince John. It was King Edward. But which one? Don't know. That's kind of up in the air. They think they know which one. They think they can narrow it down from some of the clues and some of the other things um, that it was Edward II. But at the same time, a lot of the early ballads, ballads mention Edward. And a lot of times he's not going against the king. It's the Sheriff of Nottingham, which is another one that everyone's like, oh, well, we can just narrow it down. When did the Sheriff of Nottingham live? Which one? Sheriff of Nottingham wasn't a name so much as a title. And that's what a lot of people completely forget, too. And a lot of people think that Robin Hood also may have been a title more than a name. It might have been, you know, the best. I mean, one of the things that was like the, the stories I was reading in another one, and it actually came up in another in a, one that I was listening to, um, where they were talking about some of the beliefs and some of the thoughts that might be Robin Hood. They, they compared him to like James Bond. Where, like, James Bond seems to be, in story, one person, but in all reality, is more of a title that you take. Um, which a lot of people believe in the James Bond stories. That's about James Bond. It's one, it's a title, not necessarily a person. And that's kind of things a lot of people think of the Robin Hood. 
that it was a title. That's why there's so many different people attributed to him, so many different times that come to him, so many ballads that have different things. And also in the ballads, just like with King Richard, or not King Richard, King Arthur, um, King Richard was real, by the way, the Lionheart. Um, there's multiple time frames and different stories that put him in different places. And he was actually very, very, a lot more violent and bloody than the stories that we have now. Um, yeah, so this is a fascinating one. This is one, I mean, and the one thing I don't, I don't know if you notice it, I feel like I notice it. Um I get more into these stories. I love history. I love the idea of history and the idea of finding out things that we've known for years that this is the way it is. And you're like, uh, actually, it's not. It's really not. It's not how uh, at all. So, so we're going to go through and look at this. Um, I'm going to go through from a couple different angles. Um, let me know um, if you have any questions. So, and I used uh, history.com. Uh, a lot of things there. There's a RobinHoodLegend.com that I use some of their info. Britannica, of course, Wikipedia to get a little bit of information. Um, all of those. So um, there's a lot of things that I went through on on, on these. So um, let me know if I miss anything throughout this, or if there's something that you want to add to it. Um, this this is a fascinating one to me. I love history. So, according to the history.com, you know, the subject of ballads, books, and films, Robin Hood has proven to be one of popular culture's most enduring folk heroes. Over the course of 700 years, the outlaw from Nottinghamshire, who robs from the rich to give to the poor, has emerged as one of the most enduring folk heroes in popular culture and one of the most versatile. But how has a legend of Sherwood Forest's merry outlaws evolved over time and did a real Robin Hood inspire these classic tales? Um, they believe it began in the 15th century and perhaps even earlier. Um, that's another one that's kind of like the King, you know, King Arthur story is the fact that was it in the 15th century or was it just that that's where they started writing them down? That they just started writing down, oh, here's the history. A lot of this stuff was considered oral history. Um, some of the ballads, um, there was one uh, that they got traced back, I think, to the 1300s almost. There was one where they claimed to the 800s, but they found that that was a farce made for one of the, the Kevin, not the Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, one of the others. There's so many different ones. That's another thing, too. This is a story that has inspired many a movie. From Errol Flynn to Mel Brooks to Kevin Costner, Russell Crowe. I mean, there's been a lot of different people that have done different versions of the Robin Hood story. And really, it, it's just like some of the others, almost, you know, in a sense, like James Bond, like I mentioned, or like a Doctor Who. Same person, same kind of general idea, but different personalities through different stories. Which, once again, shows that maybe this is a title and more of a title than anything else. Um, was there really a, a person that started it? Who knows? We'll kind of get into that. So, uh, beginning in the 15th century, like I said, and perhaps even earlier, Christian revelers in certain parts of England celebrated May Day with plays and games involving a Robin Hood figure with near religious significance. In the 19th century, writer-illustrators like Howard Pyle adapted traditional tales for children, popularized them in the United States and around the world. More recently, bringing Robin to the silver screen, he has become a rite of passage for directors, ranging from Michael Curtis, Ridley Scott, 
Terry Gilliam, and of course, our favorite Mel Brooks. Throughout Robin's existence, writers, performers, and filmmakers have probed their imaginations for new incarnations that resonate with their respective audiences. In 14th century England, where agrarian discontent had begun to chip away at the feudal system, he appears as an anti-establishment rebel who murders government agents and wealthy landowners. Later variations from times of less social upheaval dispense with the gore and cast Robin as a disposed aristocrat with a heart of gold and a love interest, Maid Marian. Maid Marian isn't even a beginning, isn't even part of the original story. In the original story, the only woman they mention is the Virgin Mary. That's it. Um, because he is a devout Christian, um, which always cracks me up because I never really thought about how devout of a Christian he is. And if you think about it, you go back and you watch the, the Kevin Costner version. That's what he calls him to the whole thing. Um, Azim never actually calls him Robin. I don't think in the entire movie, he calls him Christian through the whole thing. Um, to really show that. And then a lot of people are like, well, then why was he against the religious? And why did he attack priests and all that? Because in a lot of variations, this was, he was a, he went against the, the evil of the church at the time. The church was very, very, uh, they weren't doing what they were supposed to they were evil in a sense. They were very. They were like politicians now. Um, the church ran the world. I mean, they ran everything like politicians do right now. Like the new, they were the original new world order, a new lizard order, whatever. Um, they wore that. They ran everything, and they weren't as good as they should have been. And that's kind of what you know. Robin Hood went against that. He was a devout Christian, Christian who was upset by the way that they had perversed, you know, the church. And I think that was a big thing for him. Um, so academics have combed the historical record for evidence of a new, of real Robin Hood. English legal records suggest that as early as the 13th century, Robin Hood, Robin Hood, and other variations had become common epitaphs for criminals. So like I said, there was something similar. It was Robin Hood, R Robin Hod, A-R-B-U-N-H-O-D, R-O-B-E-H-O-D. So all sorts of different variations of Robin Hood or something similar that, you know, they used as a placeholder for criminals. Um, but what had inspired the nicknames is the big question. Was it a fictional tale of an infamous bandit, an amalgam of both, or was it an actual real person? So, the first literary references to Robin Hood appear in a series of 14th and 15th century ballads about a violent yeoman who lived in Sherwood Forest with his men and frequently clashed with the Sheriff of Nottingham. Rather than a peasant, knight, or fallen noble, as in later versions, the protagonist of these medieval stories is a commoner. Little John and Will Scarlet are part of this Robin's merry crew, meaning at the time an outlaw's gang, but made Marion, Friar Tuck, Alan Adale, would not enter the legend until later. So, and possibly part of those Mayday rituals. So the originals, there was a bunch of people that never made it. That weren't part of the original, you know, team. It was really, they mentioned the Merry Men, but the only ones they really mentioned by name, and those original ones, is John, Little John, and Will Scarlet. Which, I he had a different name in the very beginning, which we'll catch up to here in a bit, as we talk about some of these original ballads. Um... There's one more other character that kind of pops up in the early ones that 
doesn't seem to make it later into the other ones. So, and then while most contemporary scholars have failed to turn up solid clues, medieval chroniclers took for granted that a historical Robin Hood lived and breathed during the 12th and 13th century. The details of their accounts vary widely, placing him in conflicting regions and eras. Not until John Major's History of Great Britain in 1521 is he depicted as a follower of King Richard. One of, the, one of his defining characteristics in modern times. And like I said, a lot of people think he wasn't during the time of King Richard. He was actually around during the time of Edward II. Which we'll talk about later. Actually fits better. And makes more sense. So, we will go through that. Um, yeah, so he's played, been played by Errol Flynn, Russell Crowe. And on a 1979 episode of The Muppet Show, Kermit the Frog. So a lot of people played him. So we're going to go through and talk about all these different possible versions of Robin Hood. Um, and it, like I said, it's it's amazing to think about some of this stuff. So um, and some of the history and some of the things that we believed forever that nobody you know knows for sure. So um, some of the early ballads. So these were early ballads. Um, I'm going to kind of go through a quick overview of these. Um, I'm not going to go deep, deep into them, but I'm just going to go into the early ballads. Um, Robin Hood and the Monk. So this ballad was found in a manuscript collection written about 1450. It is believed to be the oldest surviving written ballad of Robin Hood. It begins with Robin and Little John in the Greenwood. They argue, then go their separate ways. Robin goes to St. Mary's Church in Nottingham. Little John goes to Sherwood. After we recognize in church by a great headed monk who runs to Nottingham to inform the sheriff. Robin is captured by the sheriff of Nottingham and his men. The other outlaws learn of their master's capture. Um, so consequently, Little John and Much, that's the other guy's name, Much the Miller's son, set off to find the monk who's on his way to London with a letter to convey the news to the king. John kills the monk. Much kills his page, so they themselves make their delivery unaware of who they are. The king makes them yeoman of the crown and sends them back to Nottingham with a letter ordering the sheriff to send Robin to him. On their return, John and Much, received by sheriff, invites them to dine. After dinner, while he's asleep, they free Robin and all return to Sherwood. So, the sheriff realizes he's been tricked and is afraid he will be punished. However, luckily for him, the king is impressed by the outlaw's cleverness, and he forgives both Robin and the sheriff. So, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's random weird killing where they just and if you read through the actual, I read all the way through this whole thing, actually. That's just a quick overview of it. Um, <laughs> they trick him in all ways. They, they, they like trick the guy, the, the monk and his page and kind of go with him for a while and then randomly kill him. It's like, why don't you just kill him when you got there? But there's a lot of games, a lot of that. It has that whole thing that we see of Robin Hood and later things of him playing the games and being kind of a, a jokingly guy. Um, we see that a lot in these early ones. So... Um, another one, Robin Hood and the Potter, formed part of a manuscript collection written about 1503. Uh, this ballad has more of a comic element. The story begins with Robin and Little John fighting with a proud Potter in Wentburg, which I guess is Wentbridge in Yorkshire, who has refused to pay for pavage for crossing their territory. Little John has a bout of fisticuffs with the Potter, then Robin fights him with the sword. The Potter uses the quarterstaff and he knocks Robin to the ground, taking his defeat in good steed. He suggests they exchange clothes for a joke. In the guise of a Potter, Robin goes to Nottingham to sell pots. He sells his last pots to the sheriff's wife, who invites him home to dine. 
After dinner, Robin shoots in an archery contest with the sheriff's men. He wins a contest, which impresses the sheriff, who asks the potter if he knows Robin Hood. Robin says he will show him the whereabouts of the outlaw's camp, but predictably the sheriff falls into a trap and is then forced to walk home barefoot. The story ends with Robin paying the potter for his goods. So, a lot of weird, like, stories like that that came up. Um, the other one that's really dark and deep one is uh, Guy of Gisborne. So, Robin Hood and Guy of Gisborne. So, he's been part of the Guy of Gisborne, who is a character in the, uh, the movie... Prince of Thieves. He's played in that movie um, very well, actually. Very good character played there. Um, Gav Gisborne, that's the, you know, sheriff's cousin um, that gets beat right in the very beginning and sent back to the sheriff as a, as a message. Um, that's Guy of Gisborne. In this, he's more of a yeoman, which a yeoman is another one of those weird ones as you're reading it. A yeoman was kind of a free man, I guess is what it was. Um, they weren't really a peasant. They were like middle class, I guess is the right word. Um, for very, very ultra simplifying of it. Um, that's kind of the, what a yeoman was. And Robin was a yeoman. So was Guy of Gisborne. Guy of Gisborne was basically told that if he killed and brought back Robin, that he would become uh, a, a a knight and given knighthood, basically, and everything that goes with it. So this is a complex tale, or at least a version of it. It was probably in existence before 1475, and it was found with others in a manuscript that was rescued from being burnt in a house in Shropshire by Thomas Percy. The manuscript is now known as the Percy, Percy Folio. Robin Hood and the Guy of Gisborne appeared in his Reliques of Ancient English Poetry, published in 1765. The ballad is a archaic in language and has some similarity to the play of 1475. This is a much deeper and dramatic story. It begins with Robin dreaming that he's been captured by two yeomen, and on awakening he goes to the Greenwood of Little John to seek these two men. Here they see a yeoman clad in horse hide leaning against a tree. Little John offers to investigate, but Robin objects and they quarrel. Little John returns to Barnsdale, which once again, that is actually where most of these original bar these ballads are set. Not in Sherwood, they're set in Barnsdale, which is a whole other place closer to, York to uh, Yorkshire. So he goes to Barnsdale, where the sheriff's men have killed two of the merry men and now pursuing Will Scarlet. Little John prepares to shoot, but his bow breaks and he's captured and tied to a tree to await execution. So... That's kind of how that one goes. It goes farther in. Robin tricks. Um, uh, sorry, my brain just went dead for a second. He tricks Guy Gisborne into having, you know, following him for a bit, and then they figure out who they are. They fight. Uh, Robin kills um, Guy of Gisborne, um, finds out that he has already killed one of Robin's men, decides to basically beheads Guy of Gisborne after killing him dismembers his face like cuts it up marks it up puts it on the end of his bow and then puts on guy of gisborne's clothing so they looks like guy of gisborne and goes back to nottingham to basically tell the sheriff i have killed robin hood and then after that everything goes bad of course because um Little John's been captured, taken back with Will Scarlet, some of the others, and much. Um, and then a whole fight ensues. They get him. They he breaks everyone out, and actually, in that one, Little John kills. Um, uh, 
Little John kills the, the sheriff as the sheriff is running away. Shoots him. I've read different ones where one he shoots him through the heart, another one he shoots him through the throat. So, yeah. It, it's quite interesting, but yeah, it's a very interesting one. And then another one, um, one another battle that was put in there was Robin's death. So, uh, this ballad also formed part of the Percy Folio. It is a rather grim tale which has survived in fragments. Some parts are missing, and its present form may be only half the original story. It begins with Robin declaring that he will visit Church Lee to have his blood let. Will Scarlet warns Robin not to go alone, as there is a good yeoman at Church Lee who is sure to quarrel with him. The good yeoman is presumably Red Roger. Robin insists on going only with Little John, and when they arrive, they are admitted by the prioress, who is Robin's cousin. Robin is bled until he is nearly near death, but realizing there is treachery within, he manages to rise and make his way to a window. He is then thrust through the side of with a sword, yield, welded by Red Roger. But Robin still has the strength to mortally wound his assailant and leaves him for the dogs to eat. Robin then asks Little John to help him receive the last sacrament sacraments. And at this point, Little John asks for leave to burn down church leaves. Robin does not allow this, and he does not take revenge on the prioress. He instructs Little John to carry him to his grave. Robin dies in similar fashion in the closing verses of The Guest. So The Guest is another one that he dies in that way. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of these that are quite interesting. I mean, and if you keep going, I mean, there's a whole bunch of the older ballads um, that he is in. The Guest is another one that's a big one. That's, that's one that has a lot more to it. Um, and that's one that they figure is a little bit older, um, possibly. But who knows? Because a lot of these, they think, were oral histories, which got changed over time and then eventually were written down. So a lot of these, we don't know for sure what what the real original story was. Um, so the guest begins with Robin being introduced as a yeoman who is proud and courteous. He's leaning against a tree in Barnsdale. And he tells Little John William Scarlock who eventually becomes Will, uh, well, yeah, and much the Miller's son to find him a guest for dinner. So that's kind of the the, the, the original three was Little John, William Scarlock, who eventually becomes Will, Will Scarlet, and much, which I don't know if much, I've never heard of much until I really started looking into this. I don't know if he was in some of the later ones. And literally the name is much, M-U-C-H. So, um, and this was something that he would do a lot. He would have people brought back to him, um, to his house for, to be a guest for dinner. So, um, this is one, I'm not going to go deep into it. Um, but it's a definitely a good one to, to, to listen to. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll read a quick outline of it. So, um, and walk up to the sailors and so to rattling, rattling street, and what after some unknown guest up chance she made them meet. So a lot of these, if you read them, and this is the hard part. If you think it's hard to read like Shakespeare, this is is a lot harder. Um, so in this, they walk up to the sailors and look into to Burnsdale, be a darn street. This area has been identified as Barnsdale in Yorkshire. Here they stop a sad, poorly dressed knight whom they take back to their camp for a meal. It is revealed that the knight is in debt to St. Mary's Abbey in New York. He uses land as collateral for a loan to pay bail for his son who was, has killed a knight of Lancaster. Robin gives the knight a loan of 400 pounds to repay the debt and sends little John with him. In the second fight, the knight goes to St. Mary's Abbey and after much fanfare with the abbot and the justice of England, he repays the debt then returns to his home in Verysdale, where he acclimates 
400 pound. He then heads for Barnes to repay the loan to Robin. Um, in the third fight, the scene shifts to Nottingham, where Little John shoots in an archery contest. His skill impresses the sheriff, who invites him into his service. He uses the alias of Reynold Greenleaf, Greenleaf, G-R-E-N-E-L-E-F-E, to hide his true identity. While the sheriff is away, Little John quarrels with the sheriff's cook, which results in a long battle with the sword. They fight for about an hour, but then Little John calls it a day and invites the cook to return with him to the Greenwood. They rob the sheriff. So it starts with them fighting, then they just decide to rob the sheriff and take all the shit. They rob the sheriff of his silver plate and return to the outlaws. When the sheriff comes looking for the thieves, he is captured and made to dine for his, from his own plate. But after spending a night with the outlaws, he makes a promise to leave Robin and his men in peace. In the fourth fight, the, the scene returns to the Salus, where Robin's men have captured two monks from St. Mary's Abbey, York. Robin takes their money, saying it is repayment for money he lent a knight who was in debt to their abbey. The knight now rides into Barnsdale with his repayment and gifts, and all ends happily. In the fifth fight, the outlaws shoot in an archery contest in Nottingham. Robin wins a contest, but as he accepts a prize, he is recognized by the sheriff, who breaks his promise and tries to arrest Robin and his men. They escape and take refuge in the castle of Sir Richard at the Lee, who is identified as the poor knight of the earlier verses. In the sixth fight, the sheriff goes to London to tell the king about Robin Hood and Sir Richard. The king tells the sheriff he will be in Nottingham within two weeks and sends him home. Later, Sir Richard is captured by the sheriff, who threatens to hang him for helping the outlaws. So, it's kind of an outline of so far. Um, keeps going a little more. At this point, Robin has returned to the Greenwood. Harry receives a visit from Sir Richard's wife, who tells him of her husband's plight. In response, he rides into Nottingham with his merry men, rescues Sir Richard's, and beheads the sheriff with the sword. Later, Edward, our comely king, arrives in Nottingham. Remember that. Edward, our comely king, arrives in Nottingham. This is described in the, sith, the seventh fight. He becomes, becomes angry and discovers that the outlaw has killed many of his deer in the royal forest, so he plans to capture both Robin and Sir Richard, which this is one thing that I didn't realize. At one point, it was actually made illegal, which, I mean, I guess from seeing all the Robin Hood movies, I should have known this, um, to, to, to hunt in any forest that was public land. Because if it was public land, it was owned by the king, and you couldn't hunt in those forests without having approval from the king. So that's how a lot of these people ended up becoming uh, outlaws. Yeah. So, yeah. So the king plans to capture both Robin and Sir Richard. The king dons the clothes of a monk and ventures into the Greenwood, where he is captured and taken back to the outlaw's camp. An entry contest is held, and after much frivolity, Robin and Sir Richard finally realize that their guest is none other than the king. He's taking the liking of the outlaws, and Robin asks for mercy for his men, so they are all pardoned and invited to court. In the last fight, the king and the merry men ride into Nottingham dressed in Lincoln Green. Robin lives at court for twelve months and three. However, he loses all his money and longs to return home. He begs to be allowed to return to Barnsdale so he can pray at the chapel of St. Mary Magdalene. The king grants his request on the condition that he return. Robin agrees, but when he reaches Barnsdale, he decides to break his promise and lives there another 22 years. The closing verses of the guest, the prioress of Kirksley, who was of his kin, and her lover, Sir Roger of Donkster, plot to murder Robin. Kirksley has been identified as Kirkley's nunnery in Yorkshire. He goes to Kirkley's let of blood and is betrayed. The guest ends with the, the words, Christ has mercy on his soul that died on the road, for he was a good outlaw and died poor men, much God. So that's some of the early ballads of Robin Hood. There's a lot of the, a lot is missing. There's a lot of things that we know of Robin Hood that are missing from that. Um, most of the time when they're shooting arrows, it's not shooting 
really is in fighting with them. They're usually more fighting with their swords. They just use the arrows like in contests in most of them. I mean, there is the one story, the one where, you know, Little John does shoot the sheriff and kill him. They kill the sheriff in multiple ones. The one thing that stays true is the sheriff of Nottingham, which comes down to as we get to this point, I'm going to, you know, kind of go away from all these and we're going to start talking about who we think Robin Hood might have actually been. Um, there's a bunch. So, um, going all the way back to like 1215. So, and there's a lot of Roberts, Robert Hoods. It was a very common name. So, so what? 1119 to 1219 to 1216, Robert Hod, servant of the Abbot of Circenster, slew Rolf of um, during what Henry the Third's time, twelve sixteen to twelve seventy two, Robert Hod of Yorkshire, fugitive in twelve twenty five, getting the nickname Hobbahood in a later record, Robert Hod with Richard D. Rapiria, and others accused of raid in the Grange uh, Byland Abbey at Faldenton in Palemire, Yorkshire, Robert Hod, Robert Hod, there's a bunch of Robert Hods. There's a Robin Hod spelled Y N. So on a pay, garrison payroll of archers, Nile of White. Um, Robert Hodd in prison 1354 for trespass of vert and venison in the forest of Rockingham. So there's a lot of Robert Hams. So um, there's a lot of, it's hard with medieval records because like I said, Robert Hood, Robin Hood, um, Robin Hood, Hod is a name that was used quite often. So quite often when it came to people that they didn't know. So, and then like I said earlier, he's been a, attributed to both Sherwood Forest and the Barnsdale. So so I'll kind of give a quick outline of what both of those are. Barnsdale or Burniesdale was known as a region between Pontefract and Doncaster, a lightly wooded area that was not officially a forest, but it was a place of ambush in the 14th century. All the following are within this region. The Sales is mentioned in the Guest and Wentbridge, is mentioned in Robin Hood and the Potter. To the south of Wentbridge on the western side of the A1 is the church at Skelbroke, believed to be on the site of the chapel alluded to by Robin in the closing verses of the guest. And near the A1 in Skelbroke Park, there once stood Bishop's Tree. Where according to tradition, Robin intercepted the Bishop of, the Her- of Hereford and made him dance in his boots. To the north of Bishop's Tree is the probable location of where once stood the stone of Robert Hood, Recorded in Monk Brenton Charter of 1422 on the eastern side of the A1 to the south is Robin Hood's well. The guest in Robin Hood and Robin Hood is death, both named Kirkley's, 20 miles west of Barnsdale, as a place for Robin's death and burial. Uh, there's a third locality in the guest, northern Lancashire and Boland. So, Sherwood Forward Forest occupied about 100,000 acres of central Nottinghamshire in 1609 and for at least the four centuries previous. Shaped like a lopsided hourglass, it was over 20 miles long and 8 miles wide. The location of the forest was closely related to the acidic soils, which covered a belt of sandstone running north to the south, down the center and west of the county. In early times, the great area embraced at least a fifth of the whole shire, and it was known in various documents as the Forest of Nottingham. But the equivalent term of Sherwood soon became the more usual expression. The earlier form was usually Shirewood or Sherwood. The name possibly originated from the fact that a considerable length of the forest bound was also the bound between the two shires of Derby and Nottingham. The name as Serida 
appears as early as 958. Many of its boundaries were formed by rivers, the Trent to the south, the Meden to the north, the Lean to the southwest, and the Doverbeck to the southeast. The Crown had largely land holdings in the forest, concentrated within Bestwood Park, Clipston Park, Nottingham Castle, and Park, Brooklands, and Bellingham. However, it was the monarch's right to administer the forest law over the whole area. The early 13th century saw a long dispute between Henry III and the major landowners of Nottingham. Hampshire over the course of Sherwood's boundary. And from then until the 1660s, it was regularly perambulated, perambulated to maintain the geographical details of its extent. The large area of Nottinghamshire that was once Sherwood Forest is now a scattering of woodland, heathland, and field. The Sherwood Forest National Na- Nature Reserve near Edinstow is a haven of ancient oaks and attracts thousands of visitors each year. So that's kind of one of those things that where Robin Hood, this start. And I know I haven't really talked deep, and I'm not going to, about all the things we do know. I'm talking about the things we don't know. So um, there's a few things with that that, you know, if you want to do some research on this, it's quite interesting. Um, I'm going to go down a couple pretty much where we get the things that we think. Um, a lot of things that we believe that we know about, you know, um, Robin Hood that we see in movies now and the tropes and everything else that we see come from Anthony Monday. He wrote some plays in 1560s or a little bit later than that. So he lived from 1560 to 1633. So during his lifetime, he wrote some plays um, about... Robin Hood, um, and they became kind of known as the, the where we get a lot of. That's where Maid Marian come in. That's where some of those other ones come in. Alan Adale, all those start coming in with Anthony Monday. So that's where we get a lot of those tropes. So the other one that we get, and where a lot of people think that a lot of the Robin Hood, like, it, this is another one I'm going to go through. I'm going to tell you the one that I I like the most that thinks where a lot of the stuff that we know comes from. Um, but there are more. There are more. I think this is a, just like King Arthur, where we talked about that, I think this is a mix of multiple people. I think Robin Hood, the name, came as a title. And it kind of came to one of those things. Anytime something happened in... The forest, the Barnsdales, or even Sherwood at that time, you know, in later times, anything that happened in those was automatically attributed to Robin Hood um, in a lot of ways. But I think there were some people that may have, you know, um, had a a little bit more of a tie to it. Um, A lot of it, people think there was a gentleman named Rob, Robert Hood or Hode who lived, you know, during the time of King Edward and lived in Lancaster. And at that time, Thomas Lancaster uh, decided to have a re- revolt and try and take the, the country away from King Edward II. Um, so this was Lancaster. Thomas of Lancaster, a man of royal birth and immense wealth, power and position, met a grisly end on March 22, 1322. So he didn't die in battle, didn't die of old age, but he was die he was killed um, by order of King Edward II. So he was executed outside the walls of his own castles at Pontefract on a cold, snowy morning. His death marked a critical point in the reign of the, his royal cousin and one from which both men would be forever marked. Um, 
He was six years older than Edward II. He was born in 1278. So Thomas' father Edmund was the brother of Edward I, meaning that Thomas was a grandson of Henry III, nephew to Edward I, and first cousin to Edward II. His mother was Blanche of Navarre. Thomas' half-sister Joan was wife to Philip IV of France, who in turn was the mother of Isabella of France, Edward II's future queen. In short, Thomas was a well-connected man to some of the most powerful and influential royal families in medieval Europe. So why do I want to talk about this guy a little bit? Because he led a revolt, like I said. Um, from 1308 until 1312, Thomas became one of Edward's II's leading opponents as Lancaster sought to reduce the influence of Edward's favorite peers, Gaston. Um, coupled with this, by 1310, the magnates of England, long held in check by the late king, was desperate for reform to royal household government and sought to establish restraints on the crown, which, of course, were framed against their own self-interest. Edward II was caught between two competing demands, which became entangled, settling around the permanent exile of Gaveston. In short, one was seen in the same light as the other. So, Lancaster decided to basically start a revolt. During that revolt, there was someone that fought with him named Robin Hood, or Robin Hood, depending on which one you read. Um, he's listed as both in different places, who had a wife named Matilda, who a lot of people in some of the um, Anthony Monday plays, Matilda was Marion's real name. So kind of fits the, the, the narrative there. Um, he fought with him, fought against the king, or fought with, you know, Lancaster against the king. Lancaster was destroyed and, you know, as we said, executed. So after he was executed, um, all the nobles and everyone else who fought with Lancaster, who weren't killed, went and lived in the forest outside in the Barnsdale um, to basically as outlaws because they went against the king. And then later, at some point, um, there was a Robert Hood who was basically, seems to be the same person who worked for the king. So there's some weird things in there, you know, in, in, in that one um, that kind of fit the trope of the guest. Where he worked for the king for a while and then left. There is, under Edward II, there is documentation that he had a Robert Hood that worked for him for just over 12 months, I think. I think it was 13 months. Where if you remember in the guest, he said 12, 12 months and three. So 15 months. Um, so there's a lot of that in there a lot of weird things that could fit but it's one of those things i think i don't i don't know that there's really a simple robin hood answer um there's a lot of other ones that fit a lot of other ones that are close really close um i could go down each one but i mean really just go watch a movie go watch robin hood look it up he is fascinating to me like i said um Definitely go look this one up. I, I, I think Robin Hood, once again, is another one of those just a bunch of people all put together. Um, I don't think there was any time that he was really fighting, you know, which there is another one that if you go back, there's another one that does fit the time during King Richard um, and his, his brother, John. Um, there is some time that fits in that one. There is a person that fits, but not every aspect of it. And that's kind of it. And it runs into that whole thing with King Arthur that we talked about last week, you know, or during the, the actual, you know, this week's episode where we talk about how 
There's multiple people that fit certain parts of the mythology, but not all of it. And that's the same thing that happens here with, you know, Robin Hood. I don't think there was any one person that was Robin Hood. I think there was multiple people that became Robin Hood in history, that that's the name that they gave them. Um, a lot of them had names really close to it, like Robin Hood or Robert Hod or Robert Hood. A lot of weird ones like that that are really close, and then it comes close to fitting. But I think at some point that became, once again, like I said, it was a title. You were Robert Hood who lived, you know, out in the woods and robbed people. Um, it's definitely an interesting one. Definitely awesome. I love the story of Robin Hood. Like I said, it has some personal, personal things for me. So um, I'm going to leave you on that one. I'm going to let you go look at this one more. Go look some more into this one and look at the history of this. And like I said, I mean, he it's kind of fascinating, um, the idea of how gruesome some of those early stories are. I would say definitely go back and look at the, the, the guy the the guy grism one um or guy yeah whatever that one that is probably my favorite ballad um it, it's gruesome as all hell but um that is that's the one that really gets out there um look at that one definitely check that one out um if you have any questions on any of this let me know um and yeah this is one to definitely go down and look at more into. So there's a lot of really good history on that one. Um, and another one that a lot of people think is real. They think he's based off a real person. But no one can find it. Exactly who that real person would have been. Alright. Well thank you guys for listening. Like I said. Um, I know I'm kind of leaving you on a cliffhanger in a sense there. But this is one to definitely go look more down. I mean it's definitely quite interesting. Who he was. Who he could have been. Who was the real Robin Hood? If there's one out there that yeah, I didn't really mention that you guys really think is, is a good candidate that you think I should look more into, let me know. You know, I love hearing that kind of stuff. The other thing is, if there's something you guys want to hear, like I said, right now I'm kind of on a, you know, the medieval going down the, the history of random people and it's a fun rabbit hole for me. I love history and I love seeing what, you know, the truth is to the myths that we all know. You know, what truth that we do know. So definitely look into this one. And like I said, let me know what other person you want to hear about. What other history, I mean, and like I said, we're not going to stay on history for much longer, but it's something I come back to here later, whatever. So let me know what you want to hear next. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you later.